All right, podcast, if you're struggling to come up with accomplishment-based bullet points, then listen up to this episode. This one is all about the bullet point. In today's episode, we'll talk about the importance of including results no matter what industry you're in. We'll talk about the car technique, and you'll find out just how many bullet points to include within each section. This is going to be a part of our January meetup. We had some very clever job seekers come and ask the best questions that job seekers should be asking. So we're going to rip off of that AMA. So we're going to rip off of that meetup we had. Make sure to join our meetup group. We're going virtual and we're essentially able to serve you and meet with you no matter where you are within the country versus in the pre-COVID past. We generally kept things to Austin. But make sure to take advantage of that opportunity. We'll show you how to do that at the end of this episode. All right, without further ado, let's launch right into it. This is episode 206, Are Accomplishment-Based Bullet Points Necessary? We have one, another one in the chat here from Brandon again. He asked about writing accomplishment-based bullets. Just any suggestions on how to do this best? He says, I've struggled with doing this. And I think it's pretty crazy, pretty much what a lot of our clients like yeah. same thing because he's not sure what to incorporate. You know, that is one of the most commonly asked questions that we get. Mm -hmm. I really think it is, at least when it comes to writing bullet points and writing the actual resume. Okay, so let me just talk about my technique or one of my favorite techniques. And then I'll talk about your concern about how the heck do I even get accomplishments when it's really hard to do that sometimes. So first of all, I'm a believer of the car technique. So on your resume, you can do challenge action result within a bullet point. I think that's a really good formula to get what recruiters want to see and to really get yourself to stand out above the rest of the people who aren't doing this. So you show the challenge that your company gave you for your job. You show the action you took to meet that challenge. And you talk about the result that came from the actions that you took. Challenge, action, result. That's a hard thing to do if you don't spend some time actually thinking about it and brainstorming and getting a little bit creative about your job. So really what I'd recommend is anyone could do it. It doesn't matter what position you're in. I'd say like 99% of the positions, unless it truly, there's no way you can accomplish anything, which again, I would argue that you can make yourself stand out against other people who are doing a similar job function. But I think really spend some time brainstorming challenge action results, like what did I have to show for in the last job I was in. Now, specific metrics wise, I'm not going to lie and tell you that it's balanced because it's not. It's really easy to find challenge action results and specifics for people who are in the sales industry, people who have actual quotas to meet, people who have actual numbers, and they could tell you if they met those quotas. But how do you do that if you are a customer service representative? Or how do you do that if you are somebody who worked cashier at Lowe's? And I would tell you that it still is possible to include numbers on your resume, regardless of that. You know, how many people did you service on an hourly basis? How many people did you serve on a weekly basis? How much time did it take you to achieve each one of those actions? Because maybe you do it a little bit faster and a little bit more efficiently than the rest of the people that you work with. And are there any special projects or things that you've done that go beyond the job description that can make you stand out and look like you achieved something? And I say this knowing that we've had thousands of people who we've asked the same question, like, give me some results, give me some accomplishments. And we know the pushback we get because it's hard. But in the end, I'll tell you, it's worth it. Because if you can do it and 99% of the people in your industry or job are not doing it, 
I see that as the opportunity for you to stand out on your resume. I put, I put a resource in the chat box as well. I mentioned resume magic, Chris, because I know there's some sample accomplishment yeah. and talk about car and stuff like that. All right, go ahead. Sorry, just to follow up on that bullet. So, you know, I'm looking at my resume now and I see a lot of action and result, but no challenge <laughs> part of that. And I was wondering if you could just give an example of what that means, because I'm looking at now just, you know, it's the action word and then what is my result? So yeah, sometimes. So one thing I'll say as a caveat, sometimes the challenge is it's implied already within the action. You know, for instance, I don't know if you trained, actually, I was gonna say if you trained 10 people to work under you within, you know, software developers to work under you in order to achieve so and so, I think the challenge is probably that your company was growing and that you needed to train these people. So I think you can still find a way to word that in there. I don't know if that answers your question, but sometimes it's implicit, so you don't need to include it every single time, but maybe showing a little bit of the bigger picture and like what the situation was as a company, for instance, like had to meet company growth, 200% growth this quarter, et cetera. I'm sorry I can't actually come up with the bullet point in my head right now, maybe like I used to, but something along those lines. I think mine are implied, so okay. <laughs> I thought I had to follow that kind of format yeah. of challenge, okay. Hey, Chris here. Want to interrupt myself real quick just to talk about challenge action results. The challenge specific part, the more and more I think about it, the more I've done resumes and even when you research this stuff online, I really do want to underscore my point that the challenge is usually going to be implicit within the bullet point. So you don't have to call out the actual challenge that the company gave you. It should be used really as a brainstorm or a way of thinking about what bullet points to include within your resume. In the interview and in the cover letter, you can actually call out the challenge and say the company tasked you or challenged you to drive sales or improve customer turnaround time because I think a good story often makes for a captivating way to get the job. But within the actual resume itself, it is okay. And I really would recommend most of the time to make the challenge implicit. So think about what your company tasked you to do and really drive those results home. So an example of this would be reduced customer turnaround time from 14 days to seven days within a three month time period. So you talked about what you did within the time that you were working at the company. And I mean, let's be honest, it's pretty implicit that the company probably challenged you to reduce turnaround time. And this was your response. This is how you came to rise to the challenge. All right, just wanted to clarify a little bit there because I want to help you job seekers out as much as possible. All right, let's finish up the episode. Not every single time. No, I'm not telling everyone everyone needs a car bullet point for every single bullet point, but try to include some of that within each company that you list on your resume. And foremost, I don't think challenge is the thing that people are forgetting to include. I really think it's the result. People aren't really including the results. And I think that's what recruiters want to see. Thank right. you. Some awesome questions, uh, David and Brandon. Okay. Who else? You know, the process I've been using is uh, I take the job description and I highlight all the words that I think are the keywords I need to include. And that'll be between 25 and 50. And um, sometimes maybe I'm getting going overboard with like adverbs and stuff like that. And maybe that's making it more difficult than it needs to be. Right. But then I'll, you know, sort, I'll pull those out, sort them, and then just go through checklists and rewrite my resume to include cross-functional instead of multi-divisional or what, you know, whatever. I'll just change 
because they they want cross-functional teams and not you know some other words that yes. so go go through and do that whole process i think initially i was probably too focused on just making sure all those words were in there and that's kind of the advice i got and probably some of the sentences were sort of just like terrible and goofy like really long and all this jargon and they probably sounded you know pretty bad to a human but I think the ATS software liked them, like JobScan particularly was like, this is 81%, you know, you're perfect or, you know, 81% of perfect. And so I'm really struggling with this, uh, the challenge of like, if I'm going to rewrite some of these bullets to, to have a challenge, action and result, still stay under a thousand words and still include the 50 keywords, it's going to make it match. Like, I guess the answer is just work to do it, right? I mean, it does seem like virtually impossible to include 50 keyword phrases, write actual sentences. 50 is a lot. Yeah, right. Maddie, any input on 50? I haven't heard that before. We actually targeted like under 10. And I'm, I'm going to share you a, a quick article on the right kind of words you need to be looking for. But you're probably going a little bit, uh, you, you are pulling some extraneous adverbs and adjectives that aren't necessarily going to be the ones that people are actually using to search for you. There's probably a key, and I'm going to be honest, probably a key five or less that someone's looking going to screen you out based on more than I'll share that article. Okay, listen to, I'll explain my answer, but there's a 15 minute answer. That is that podcast episode that we just posted. I think it was 200 deconstructing the job posting for your resume goes into a lot of that detail. But I'll tell you like the nuts and bolts of it are that really people are looking for a few key things. And whereas I think it does make sense to have in general 50 keywords that you can pull from in your arsenal of things that you know in the past. I think for the actual resume that you're going to be sending out, the one that you want to make sure that's condensed, that's the resume that you want to say, okay, out of these 50 keywords that I need to make sure that I thought I needed to have, you know, what are the ones that I truly need to focus on my resume there? So the episode goes into detail about like, okay, what does that look like in the context of my master resume? What do I actually look to to end up cutting that from? But yeah, that would be a, a really tall order and very tough for me. I'm just imagining having to include like to go one or two pages and to have to cover all those many different things. I will say there is something that you brought up in regards to the robots reading it versus the humans reading it. I think there is some truth to that in that if I'm looking through, if I'm sending something through an applicant tracking system or if I'm applying through Indeed, then it might behoove me to include too much rather than too little. I would say your LinkedIn profile is something completely different. So that's one reason why we recommend going a little bit longer on your LinkedIn profile and including a little bit more information to capture more of a general audience there. But yeah, LinkedIn, a little bit more full, try to include a little bit more keywords there, but your resumes try to act like a sniper and get really targeted there. Did that answer your question, James? Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Thanks for asking. Maybe save it to the end because I want to make sure we get there a few more questions here. But I also want to talk a little bit more about the bucket method, Chris, and the, my highlighter exercise, the one that we always talk about too, which is not that far off from James, your highlighter exercise. It's just a little bit, I think, simpler. Why don't we circle back to that? Let's see if anyone has some other questions. And we'll come back to ATS, unless it, your question is about ATS. Is there a limit on how many bullet points you could have? I know you said four is like kind of the key. I'm sitting you know, six for some of the projects that I did. But, you know, because like one of them is, you know, my background's in accounting, but I ended up getting a patent in what, what I was doing, you know, and I'm applying for marketing and all the tech stuff. But, you know, I left it on there just to show, you know, I, I, I'm capable of learning, you know, having trouble whittling that down as well. There's no hardcore rule that all recruiters got together in a room one day and was like, no more than eight bullet points or something like that. But there is, oh, I'll just give you a ballpark in terms of like the resumes that I write. 
and you know generally what i'm seeing going out there i try not to go above five if you are forced into a six and you're really racking your brain and you're like i don't know which bullet point to cut i think they're all relevant i wouldn't say don't go crazy you know maybe all six might be useful but in general when i write i try to have you know five or no more i also try as much as possible to include more bullet points in more recent positions. So it's say I have a whole career that spans, you know, say from 2005 and my resume still includes positions from 2005. The ones with more bullet points, so those five bullet point positions are going to be the ones that are more recent. And the ones that I have in 2005 may have one bullet point or may have two bullet points or maybe even no bullet points. So try to cut as you go and you get a little bit further back in your career. All right, nice. And just sorry to follow up again on that. That is what I'm doing. But on LinkedIn, I've been out of the workforce for five years and it's pretty amazing how, how integral LinkedIn is in the hiring process now. I yeah. kind of hated, always hated social media. So sure, now sure. that I'm coming back, I'm like, oh man. <laughs> but if you yeah. can say, you know, like how much of a, you know, because I have like a paragraph and kind of almost like a story rather than bullets, or do you think bullets are better for that uh, LinkedIn? So your question is, are bullet points or paragraphs better for your LinkedIn job descriptions? Right. Like the resume instead of just having these targeted sniper bullets. I've seen both. And I think both are okay. Both are not wrong. I know when I was writing LinkedIn profiles, I included bullet points just because I really do think bullet points are way easier to read than paragraphs. That's a little bit of my style and how I do things. There really is no wrong answer, but if we were writing your resume together, they'd probably be bullet points just because I think the way I write, I can make things look a little bit more easy to read things like the car technique if it's not in paragraph form. My, I'm allowed to answer, Chris. My technique, and I got a lot of positive feedback uh, on this, is to, for the job descriptions themselves, write two or three sentences in paragraph form and LinkedIn makes you, you know, expand or it actually condenses those sections based on how much text is in there. So I'll make it to where there's only a paragraph in the text that you see. And if they want to know more about what yeah. you did at that particular job, they That's can expand great. it below those paragraphs, below that one paragraph, there would be six, seven or eight bullet points. I go crazy because for me, a fuller profile, and I know Chris, you agree, a fuller profile is better. I actually uh, forgot about that. I think that's a great technique because of the way LinkedIn, the way the user interface is, because like you only have so much visibility before you have to click that see more button there. All right, podcast, that is it for this mini-sode. I am just delighted by the questions here. Wasn't even expecting and wouldn't even think to answer a question like, do I include bullet points or paragraphs within my LinkedIn profile section? So I just thought that was such a good question at the end and hope you found some of the specifics of this episode to be useful. As I mentioned, if you want to join this exclusive meetup we have where job seekers can join and ask me questions in real time and ask our career coaches and anyone who joins this meetup some questions, you can join that by checking out our Career Warrior podcast landing page. It's letseatgrandma.com forward slash CWP. And make sure to register and check out our events that we have every single month where we dive into questions like this and answer questions directly. It's a really intimate and cool experience that we have and would love to meet some of our podcast listeners. I know you're out there and I know you're enjoying this content. So we'd love to meet you there and I'll see you then. Career Warrior Podcast. And for more on your job search, please make sure to check out Let's Eat Grandma's website at letseatgrandma.com forward slash CWP. That's where you can find her blog, attend job seeker events, and learn more about her awesome resume services. 
Let me just say, I'm happy you're subscribed on Apple or Spotify, but you are missing out if you haven't seen the additional resources on our website. Once again, that's letseatgrandma.com forward slash CWP. And please don't forget to leave a review. The support from my fellow warriors is what will help me get noticed and what will help the algorithm so other job seekers can discover us too. I promise I read all the reviews and you will just make my day. That's all. I'll see you next episode this Monday morning.